0: This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth With Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I'm so glad that you found us online. We come together every Sunday to do just this, worship our Lord, unify our faith, come together as a body of believers from all over the world with the privilege of renewing our minds so that we can become more and more like Jesus. I pray that you've already been blessed today by the worship, and we have a special Uh, service planned for you today, including communion. So if you have your elements, you're going to want to get those out and have those ready. We'll be taking that as a body at the end. But we're going to be looking at the table today. As we come into a week of recognizing, especially in the United States, where we recognize Thanksgiving, I want to look at the table that Jesus has prepared for us and unpack God's scripture. Uh, look at how we view the table and apply his truth to our lives as we celebrate uh, what we have to be thankful for, so many things to be thankful for, especially what he did for us on the cross. So we're going to do all that today, but we're going to open up with prayer. uh, Before we get started, just invite the Holy Spirit in to do a work in us. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for another opportunity to share your truth. I thank you for another opportunity to wake up this morning and to be excited to be able to share the gospel and to speak your truth with love. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you into this time. We celebrate you. We celebrate everything that you are going to do. We ask that you open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have for us today as we look at the table. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son to die on a cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. Let us never forget that. Let us celebrate that today. We love you and praise you and thank you for everything that you are going to do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: The table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. It's where we find peace. (laughs) And we laugh till it hurts. The table is where we gather with family, new and old. To share stories to nourish our bodies, to enrich our souls. The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts we have been given.
0: the table. We all seem to have this table in our homes that we gather around. That seems to be the place where all of the action happens. Homework, writing out bills, having dinners, important conversations. Uh, It seems to be a place where I've oftentimes people have gathered there and I'm like, hey, we can go sit in the living room where it's more comfortable. But there's something about A table a dining room table where you can kind of sit and and talk and reflect and I think about that as we're coming into this week and as I mentioned especially in the United States where we celebrate uh, recognize Thanksgiving this is a big deal for my family because traditionally every year everyone comes to my house now we have a small home And so it's really like bringing up the table from downstairs, the card table, and putting over a large tablecloth over top to to cover up the, the table itself, the old table itself. And some folding chairs that we gather around, you know, and we squish everybody in to our small dining room and we eat all of the food that we have prepared to celebrate Thanksgiving I'm usually responsible for the turkey. Everybody else brings uh, a dish to pass. And just to sit down and have a meal as a family and celebrate what we're grateful for, especially just this thankfulness for each other. And as I was thinking about tables, as I was thinking about you know Thanksgiving, the, the Thanksgiving table got me thinking about the Last Supper table, and what it would have looked like in Jesus' day. What would it have looked like for all of them to gather around the table and share a meal and converse and talk as Jesus would teach them and talk with them as as fellow brothers, disciples? These pictures we see of the Last Supper table are kind of like the dining room table. Uh, For example, this is the one that we see the most, right? The Last Supper, everyone in a single line. But I did some research and came across an article by Bill Perkins who describes what the table would have really looked like. It would have looked something like this. A horseshoe with people reclining on the floor. And biblically, this is backed up, right? As we read the passages, the different descriptions in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the Last Supper, and so I think it's important to understand that this is truly what the table looked like, that there were different seating arrangements, and and what this would have looked like in Jesus' day. Bill writes this, during the Roman Empire, most banquets were held in a triclinium. A triclinium was a room equipped with a table that was six to ten inches high and set up in a U-shaped configuration. The guests would recline along the outside edge on cushions while the servants would serve the food from the empty space in the center of the tables. Ancient Roman pictures of tricliniums always depict that the guests reclined on their left elbow and ate with their right hand. Therefore, everyone faced the same direction. They weren't facing each other. They were all facing the same direction. In Israel, in Jesus's time, most meals would have been eaten, sitting on the floor, legs crossed, gathered around one dipping bowl, which was shared among everyone. However, the Pharisees insisted that every Jew, no matter how poor, had to eat at least one meal a year, lying down like the rich. And this was done at Passover. The host would need special furniture for the meal because he would have guests as well. At least 10 men had to eat every lamb, according to the Pharisees, because there were so many people coming to Jerusalem that there wouldn't be time to sacrifice so many lambs unless they were shared. We read this in Luke 22, 8 through 14. And he sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him to the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they departed and found everything just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him." You see that original picture of all of them sitting on chairs and a table all facing where what we're looking at is not correct. This would have been in a special room with a special table, six to eight inches high off the ground with cushions, and they all would have been facing the same direction. So at our house, every year for Thanksgiving, I let people sit where they want to. I don't usually have name tags or name places or special seats assigned. People just come in and gather around and sit where they want. Typically, my kids will, because they have children, will sit on maybe an end or somewhere close to be by the high chair or for like my new grandson, Grace, and he'll probably be in a, in a bouncy seat on the, on the floor because he can't sit up yet on his own. But ultimately, we don't have special seats. This was not the case in Jesus's time. The Bible tells us in Luke twenty two, twenty four 24 through 27, that they paid special attention to the seating arrangement and who did the serving. These tables all had a seating order indicating the importance of the guest. Bill explains there was a specific place for the most important guest to sit and a place for the least important guest. Let's see what the Bible says. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. But let him who is the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? but I am among you as the one who serves." Luke twenty-two, twenty-four through 27. Here is another example, right, of showing this order. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he had noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both shall come and say to you, Give place to this man. And then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. Luke 14, 7 through 10. It's often awkward, right, when we come into a room where there's a, a place for everyone and you're wondering where you should sit. And, and sometimes I think, oh, we feel we're important, right? So, so we should probably sit near the, the person that's hosting or we should, be, we should sit here because this is more prestigious. And what Jesus is saying is don't just think that way, right? Have the servant mind where you, where you go to the least desirable place and then you can be asked to move, which is even better and grander in people's eyes. But how often do we feel that we should be the, the guest of honor, right? And, and sit near the host or, or sit the place at the table that is the best seating. I know for me, I have done that. I've, I've walked in and said, okay, I need to sit over here. This is where all the cool people are sitting, and that's not the case, and that's not what Jesus is teaching us. In these verses, Jesus was referring to the seating arrangement and indicates that the disciples were familiar with this as well. Since Jesus was the host, you can determine who was reclining to his right and left side from the clues of the narratives of the gospel. So basically they are leaning on each other in close proximity. And if John is leaning on Jesus's chest, he was directly to Jesus's right. And here is the amazing part. On the left side of Jesus would have been Judas. And guess where he was located? He was located at the guest of honor. Judas sat at the highest place at the table. We know this because Jesus shared his bowl with him at dinner. Mark 14, 18 through 20. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that the one of you will betray me. They began to be grieved and to say to him, One by one, surely not I... And he said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. Can you believe that? When Jesus talks about loving your enemies, Jesus is showing us how to love our enemies in his actions at the Last Supper. This is what Jesus was saying and living out. His enemy, the one who would betray him, for 30 pieces of silver was placed at the seat of honor. Think about that for a second. When was the last time that you put your enemy at the seat of honor at your table? When was the last time that you recognized your enemy and elevated him to that status? When was the last time you put your enemy in your home and cooked them food and served them? It makes you think, doesn't it? It makes me think, this is how Jesus treated his enemy. And when Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies and forgive those who persecute you, this is what he was showing us. So then if, if Judas is, is at the elevated status, sitting at the guest of honor seat, well, what about Peter? The one that Jesus would have build his church Where do you think Peter sat? He was seated in the position of least importance. Bill explains in the article that Peter was in the seat of least importance, has to do with the announcement Jesus made that he was going to be betrayed by one of his disciples. Peter must have been in the position of least importance, or he could not have caught John's eye. Remember, they're all facing the same direction. So as we're reading this and we're looking at the seating chart, we know where Peter was sitting. We know where John was sitting. Peter is the only person that John could easily see from his position at Jesus' right. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus's breast one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, tell us, who is it that who he is speaking? He leaning back thus on Jesus's breast said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus therefore answered, that is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Jesus therefore said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now, no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. This is in John 13, 21 through 28. Peter motions to John to ask Jesus, who is it that will betray him? John leans back on Jesus's chest and quietly tells Jesus that Simon Peter wants to know who is going to betray him. And then Jesus answered. So by this, by this reading, we see where everyone is seated, specifically Peter. Another evidence for Simon Peter's location is the fact that it is customary for the person in the position of least importance to offer to wash the other guest's feet. So Peter's sitting here and his job then would be to serve and also to wash the disciples' feet. But Jesus took the towel and the basin And washed Peter's feet. And if Peter was in the position of the foot washer, it makes more sense that Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet, right? He was seated in the position of servant and it was his job and he was supposed to do it. And yet Jesus stepped up and said, no, I'm going to wash your feet. For Jesus to begin the foot washing with him, illustrating this, his greatest shall serve the least teaching. It is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Matthew 20, 26 through 27. So as you're reflecting all this right This imagery of this table, where everyone is seated, the message that Jesus is saying to all of them as they're seated having this Passover meal, there's a couple things I want to touch on as we look at this table illustration. First of all, I love that everything Jesus did had meaning. Every opportunity, every word, every gesture, everything he did had purpose and meaning, including where he placed people at the table. Everything he did, there was purpose behind it. He never just spoke out randomly. He never just spoke something out off the cuff. Everything he said had meaning and purpose. And he's still doing that today. And when I look at my life, the mistakes I've made, the hard seasons, he doesn't waste one ounce of that pain. He uses everything I've done, all the mistakes, and he shows me, he corrects me, he rebukes me in such a gentle way to reposition my my life back onto his path. He corrects me. He shows me everything he, he does everything. He says, every word he gives me has purpose and meaning. How is that in your life today? Are you allowing the Lord to use everything you've gone through? Everything you've overcome, all the challenges, all the hardships. Are you able to step out on this side and be thankful for that? And trust and believe that the Lord is going to use everything and not waste one ounce of your pain. He's going to do a new thing. He's going to restore you. Are you believing that today? I also want to ask us, how are we setting our tables in our own lives? (laughs) That is a really good question. How are we treating our enemies? Are we setting a place for them at our table? Are we willing to serve them like Jesus did? When Jesus says, love your enemy, he literally gave us this example. And this just wasn't someone who cut him off in traffic. This wasn't just someone who maybe said something uh really bad on social media about Jesus. This wasn't someone who stole his lunch money or talked with him about him behind his back. This wasn't someone who took his parking place at work, stole his sandwich. This was someone who was part of a plot to take his life. A true enemy. And yet he was seated at the guest of honor. We have to ask ourselves, how are we treating the enemies in our lives? And I'm not saying to the point where we're letting them beat us up over and over and over again. No, Jesus gives us wisdom and discernment and we have to set boundaries and all of those things. But I'm saying truly, uh, loving that person, praying for that person, forgiving that person, Loving them the way Jesus loves, loved Judas. Are we following the example of Jesus? And then I wanna talk about Peter for a second, right? Peter walked alongside of Jesus, was taught by Jesus, did everything for Jesus. And he was thinking as he sat down at that table, well, because I've done all of these things, man, I carried up the stairs all the stuff for the food, I got everything organized. I went out and got the room ready. I should have a a better seat at the table. And, And this is our thinking sometimes. We think that following Jesus is going to be easy. That we deserve the very best. We deserve the very best seat at the table. But my friends, that's not what Jesus is showing us in these verses and in this imagery of this table and where Peter sat. We are followers of Jesus Christ, and we have all these wonderful things that are coming, but we are called to serve in this world. We are called to serve a life of service, washing others' feet, serving them, loving them, working to build the kingdom, And if today you are looking for the best seat in the house, you have got to ask Jesus to check your heart. He is asking us to sit in a place where we can serve. Serve others with the right heart. And I love that illustration. Here's the other thing I want to have us be thinking about today as we're looking at the table when we think about this table right this last supper table jesus gave us this this is a gift from him in the old testament the altar ran red with the continuing sacrifices for the atonement of sin When you look at the Bible, Exodus and Leviticus share specific details God gave his people for the many different offerings and sacrifices that were needed for the atonement of sin. Yet in the New Testament, we read of a table and a meal that Jesus shared with his close friends the night before he died. The imagery switches from the constant need for sacrifice to one final death. From the rules and regulations to a relationship, sitting around having a meal as friends. From an altar where animal sacrifices and the constant need for that and the spilling of blood happened all the time to one sacrifice from an altar to a table where we can come and eat freely from the tree of life. But this is where we fall short sometimes. We forget the sacrifice. We forget what Jesus did on the cross. We forget to receive all of the benefits that come with that sacrifice. And I know for me, I traveled around... For years of baggage, replaying the lies from the enemy, believing every lie, believing that I had messed up too much to receive that forgiveness of sin. To receive the promise of a new life. To receive the promise that I can lay down all the baggage at the foot of the cross and step away free with my chains broken and my sins forgiven. And my friends, we forget that. We forget that on a daily basis. And what Jesus did on the cross when he said, it is finished, it is finished. That need for constant sacrifice is over. And we now have this imagery of a table where we can share a meal with Jesus and live in freedom. I don't always want to use this illustration just in the week of Thanksgiving, but it's a great way to remember as we gather around our tables on a daily on weekly basis eating our food uh, sharing a meal with our family and friends that this is how Jesus wants us to be in relationship with him it's a relationship it's an opportunity to to have that forgiveness of sins that freedom and to forget the lies from the enemy right? We have this promise. We can claim it and receive it today. Never forget the sacrifice Jesus made. And because of the cross, there is a place at his table for you. A place where you can come and eat and receive everything that Jesus has for you. Do you believe that today? If there's anything you take away from this service today, believe that you have a seat at the table when you receive Jesus Christ, when you receive his forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. Amen. I want to go into a time of communion right now, a time of thanksgiving and remembrance of the table that Jesus prepared for us. And if you have your elements, you're going to want to uh, get those ready. And if you don't, I just want to encourage you during this time that you just reflect. Reflect on what Jesus did. You reflect on the bread. You reflect on the, the cup. You reflect on what Jesus did for us on the cross to thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. For dying on the cross for giving you everlasting life and forgiveness of sins so if you have your elements we're gonna we're gonna do that at this time on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me And in the same way, he also took the cup at supper and saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-three, through 26. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the table. I thank you for the way that you had Jesus come to this earth, gave up his throne, walked among us as man, fully man and fully God, and chose to walk to the cross, to die on the cross for our sins. But not only that, Lord, you raised him again from the dead so that we can have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. You tore the curtain in two so that we could approach your throne room, so that we could have full access to you, Lord, so we could come to you whenever we wanted to share our pain and our sadness and our joy, and that through Jesus we can have a relationship with you, not only here on earth, but in heaven. We forget that some days, Lord, we get caught up in the trials and the temptations and the troubles of this world, and we forget what you did for us. And Lord, we come to you today and we repent and we say, forgive us, Lord, for for forgetting what what you did for us, for how much you love us, that you have great plans and purpose for our lives. Forgive us, Lord, and help us return to the path. We're so grateful that you Don't waste one ounce of our pain, one ounce of what we've gone through and that you can use it all for your glory and in us and through us and do a new work. And we ask for that today. There is so much brokenness and pain and trouble in this world. And you've never promised us an easy journey, but you tell us, Lord, that you will walk with us when when we faithfully follow you. And we're asking for that today. We're asking that you will walk with us, that you will strengthen us, that you will give us supernatural abilities to endure in the hardship, in the trials. And that we will raise our hallelujahs in every hard time, in every struggle, and believe in the promises that you've given us in your word. We take communion today as a body and say thank you. We believe, we believe that you are God our Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection. We believe that you are coming again. We believe in all of these things, Lord. We believe that you have great plans for us and we trust in you today. I pray for each person that has still not yet made that decision to follow you, Jesus, that you will break in, that you will work and move supernaturally And that they will claim you as their savior today i pray for broken chains and strongholds to be broken i pray for healing in jesus name i pray for provision i just pray that you will make a way when there seems to be no way and that we will turn to you and trust in you alone i thank you for the table and today as we celebrate communion and as we look to this week lord as we celebrate thanksgiving that we will come together with thankful hearts, no matter where we are sitting at the table. We will invite you in to eat with us and celebrate with us. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us the strength to be more like you. We love you and praise you and thank you for everything that you are going to do. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to leave you with one final song today a song that you can celebrate that you can claim as your own that you can decree and declare over your life that you can say that we believe in all of these things take that into this coming week and no matter what you do for Thanksgiving whether you're going to be alone or with family sitting around a large table or a small one I just pray that you will remember all the ways that God is working and moving, that you will have thankfulness in in what he did for us with the cross, that you will remember today the table that, that Jesus has set for all of us and that you have a seat at that table. Thank you so much for being here and for joining us. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.